Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey everyone, this is Michaela Omer, founder of Me and the Bees Lemonade. Yo, what's up guys? My name is Caleb Maddox and this is Matt Maddox. This is Casey Adams, host of Rise of the Young. And if you want to learn how to connect with world-class people, and if you want to hit your next level, and if you want to learn how to produce world-class relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast. You should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast. Build Your Network podcast with my boy, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chapel, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another mashup episode here on Build Your Network. Today, I'm really excited to feature three young entrepreneurs that are absolutely crushing the game and uh, people that we've had here on the show. And I'm excited to get into this one with you. The first one we're featuring is Caleb Maddox. Caleb started in this world when he was like 12 or 13, started reading a lot of books that his dad was putting in front of him. And uh, then he started started writing his own books, which is a big leap to take, especially as a 13-year-old. And now to this point, he's published, I don't know, 12, 15 different books uh, that, uh, that specifically t- uh, t- t- teach kids how to do this thing called entrepreneurship. And uh, Caleb is actually... You know, when I first heard about him, I was really skeptical because of how young he was, but I started listening to some of his things and he's actually a very articulate and well-spoken young guy. And through all, you can tell that he has actually put in the work he has in his short time of 
being an adult, even though some of the time he wasn't even an adult yet, um, in that short period of time, he's consumed so much information and so much knowledge and been to so many events and spoken on stage with so many people and learned from the best that, uh, you know, eventually your input becomes your output. And that's definitely evident in Caleb's life. So I know that you're going to be able to, to, uh, pull out some of the things that we talk about. Um, and then Michaela Ulmer, she's actually a little bit more recent of a guest than Caleb was. And Michaela was somebody that just absolutely fascinated me. Um, she started this lemonade business as a kind of like an entrepreneur accelerator thing that was a fair where she lived, uh, down in Texas. And, uh, when she, when she learned about, when she learned about the bees and how they help uh, basically everything uh, that we have, all the foods that you enjoy eating and all those types of things. And bees were responsible for the pollination that made those things possible. Um, she got really passionate about the cause of, of saving the bees of, of helping the bees. And so she basically came up with this lemonade that uses honey as a sweetener instead of sugar. And uh, she was 10 when she started this business. And five years later, after getting into a 20, 30 different retail stores. She appears on Shark Tank, gets a deal with Damon John. Now that product is over is in over 150,000 retail locations across the country. And uh, she's absolutely crushing it and still super young at 15 years old. Uh, she's accomplishing all of these different things and in business with Damon John. So uh, just a fascinating young woman. And uh, by the way, afterwards, she sent me some bottles of lemonade and they were delicious. So I highly recommend checking out some of the stuff that she has, uh, including the product that she actually creates there. And the last one, Casey Adams. Uh, Casey and I had a great conversation. He's uh, very, he, somebody that, that, uh, that I resonate with quite a bit and somebody who worked really hard to build a lot of good relationships with people and just showed up to as many things, as many events and as he possibly could and started his own podcast and got great guests on and just networked as much as he could to get to the top. And now he is a, a top rated podcast host and he runs events with, with uh, people like drama and, uh, and, and Dan Fleischman and puts together these crazy events all across the country. Obviously a little bit of a hiatus at the moment with all the COVID things happening, but uh, we still had an amazing conversation. And so I know that you're going to learn some things from Casey as well. All three of these, I mean, really kids, um, uh, you know, Caleb and Casey are both still under 21. Michaela's still not even an adult yet, and they're all just absolutely crushing the game. And so if you can't get inspired by what these kids are doing, uh, then, then, uh, maybe take a second look at, uh, at what you, at what you got going on, because there's something wrong there. There's super, super inspirational conversations with these ones. And I can't wait for uh, you guys to listen in on some of those conversations. But first, really quickly, if you're a podcaster and you want to learn how to book some of these guests, but maybe you just don't have the time like I did when I first started, or you don't have, uh, or you don't have the, the existing connections or getting, or you don't have anybody to introduce you to some of these people, head over to guestio.com, uh, which is the software that we actually are launching really soon. And uh, if you, if you are a podcaster, content creator, YouTuber, blogger, author, and you need guests for what the, for the content that you create, then head over to guestio.com. There is a wait list right there for as soon as we launch the product. So that way you can be notified. It'll be totally free to use. You can get on there and start booking quality guests as soon as we hit the launch button there. That's guestio.com. And now without any further ado, here is Starting Young featuring Caleb Maddox, Michaela Ulmer, and Casey Adams. 
some of the people were just like, well, you know, some people are just born that way. They have that confidence or they have this or that. And I was like, well, yeah. I don't think that's what it was. I think that it was something that you really had to work on. I look back like with me too. And I remember the first couple of times I got up on stage and how horribly nervous I was and couldn't even yeah. talk and get words out. And so Caleb, now you went from like a really shy little kid. So I want you to talk about that. But I also want you to talk about how you can have that unstoppable confidence. Now that you've written a book on it and you're speaking on stage yep. in front of thousands and thousands of people, literally several times a year. What was that transition like for you on your end going through like having your dad mentoring you through that whole process? Was that something that used to resent him for or did that was it always something yeah. you were happy to do? You know, because I know as a little kid, it's got to be like intimidating to like, you know, like what you guys were talking about at Thrive, order from the waitress and do all these little things. So was that something that like made you almost resent him at the beginning or were you always happy for it? Talk us through that process. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I think there's three words I want to start off with to, to answer this question. And these three words is like, you know, you know, you always see these people doing Instagram quotes and stuff, right? Let's imagine this is one. This is one that probably wouldn't get thousands of likes, but it's one of the most true quotes I could ever give. Three words, three simple words. Don't be soft. <laughs> hmm. Don't be soft. One of the number one ways that I went from being extremely shy to having unstoppable confidence was that my dad never allowed me to not believe I wasn't like not believe I was confident. He forced me to think that I was confident. He made me act that way even whenever I wasn't. You know, I remember as eight years old, this is still whenever I was going through my whole confidence thing. And my dad used to do a lot of speaking. And you know, he was that's the thing. He spoke on stages before in front of 17,000 people, unbelievable things he's done. And one of the times he was giving a speech, there's probably 200 people in the audience. And he told me, he said, Caleb, I want you to come up and speak for five minutes before me. And I was like, Dad, no, no, I don't want to. He's like, you know what? No, I'm going to force you to do it. So he said, okay, I'll do it. And next thing you know, I'm like, okay. And I was literally weeping and crying. And like most parents, when a kid's crying, they'd be like, okay, well, maybe you're not ready to speak yet. My dad made me do it. Caleb Maddox, come up on stage. So I went up on stage, talked for three minutes. I literally cried and I went and hit under a piano. <laughs> like that's literally what I did, right? I ran off stage. And most parents, they'd be like, oh, you know, he cried, he embarrassed in front of all these people. He's done, right? Yeah. But the next week, my dad made me speak again. And he made me speak again and made me speak again. And then anytime, I, you know, we'd be in line at a show, my dad would make me go up and talk to people. See, he pushed me out of my comfort zone. And obviously that was easier for me because my dad, I've never met someone more encouraging, more loving, more caring than my dad. Literally all he ever said to me was encouraging stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he wasn't just going to be easy on me. He made sure to push me out of my comfort zone. And that's what really gave me the breakthrough, got me to where I am. Even when we were at Grant Cardone's office, I remember, I love this story because it, it cracks me up. It literally blew my mind whenever it happened. I was at Greg Cardone's office and Graham was interviewing me for his show, Power Players, which was super cool because he he's interviewed billionaires and all the top of people. Yeah, he said yeah. he's a power player. So he interviewed me on the show and I had just launched a business two days before I went on Grant's show. So I still didn't have a pitch yet. You know, it says salesperson. I didn't have a pitch. And Grant's like the sales, you know, he's all about sales. Right, he's like, you know, right. so you have your pitch. I told my dad in the car while we were driving from Tampa to Miami and we were in the car and I was like, dad, what if he asked me to do my pitch live on the interview? I don't know what to say. I don't have a pitch yet. What am I going to do? And my dad was like, oh, I'm sure he won't ask you. Okay. So I'm laughing. I thought, okay, good, good, good. You made me feel good. And next, you know, I get halfway through the interview. Grant hadn't mentioned the pitch yet, but my dad spoke up behind the camera and said, Caleb, give Grant Cardone your pitch. <laughs> and oh, I was God. like, I can't believe it. I was shocked. I cannot believe my dad, my dad made just me threw my me under the bus like that. He threw me. <laughs> he said to me, he probably won't ask you. All but these inside, Facebook lives are going. Yeah, all these Facebook, there's like 5,000 people on yeah, Facebook live. There's like all so these people funny. watching. And the whole sales team's in there. My dad's like, he was the one that made me do that. So I think he was always pushing me out of my comfort zone. In the yeah. moment, I didn't like it. 
the end of the day, now I look at it and you have to go through the pain to get to the prize, right? That whole right, thing. You have right. to pay the price to get to the prize is the, is the thing. So understand way too many people are in their comfort zone. You got to get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the word comfort. What is that? Like imagine like a comforter when you're in bed. That means you're under the comfort. It means you're asleep. Yeah. Like, you know, if you have dreams, you can't be asleep. You need to wake up and work. You have to go after it yeah. and do those things. And my dad never allowed me to believe I wasn't confident. So I just think it was, it was that discipline and him forcing me to do things that I didn't want to do has gotten me to where I am now. So I started when I was four and a half as a lemonade stand. And I wasn't even thinking about business or like making a profit. I just started as a lemonade stand. And so mm-hmm. the reason how I came up with doing lemonade stand first was I signed up in two things, the Acton Business Fair and also Lemonade Day. So they're both like now national events that let kids sign up and sell a product for a day without the need of a permit because normally you need a permit to sell those kinds of products. And so as a kindergartner, a lot of my other kindergartner friends were signing up in these fairs. And so I signed up in one as well. And so over the summer, I was trying to figure out what was I going to create and sell for my business. And I started with like planted wildflowers and picked them and then put them in Play-Doh and tried to sell that to my neighbors, which didn't work out great. But eventually, <laughs> eventually, as I'm you know trying to come up with this idea, I get first I get a cookbook from my great granny Helen, and it's like this old tattered cookbook, and it has her favorite recipe of flaxseed lemonade along with a bunch of other flavors mm. or a bunch of other recipes. And so we kind of like put it in the cupboard. We don't really have much to do with it. We tried one or two of the recipes, and like left it at that. And I also got to buy two bees in one week which was terrifying. And my parents encouraged me to do a little bit of research and learn more about them. And so it was through that, that I found out that they're really important pollinators. I learned what pollination was. I learned that without the bees, I can't have a lot of my favorite foods. And then I also learned that they are dying. And so I don't really know how this came about, but I was like, what if I use Great Granny Helen's recipe, sweeten it with honey, which I had just learned that honeybees make and sell that as a lemonade stand for the lemonade day and for the business. Fair. That's so and awesome. That is how it started. So it really got started because you got stung by a couple bees. Yes. Really. Somehow that, <laughs> that turned to trying to save them, which I would not have expected. Yeah, no kidding. Well, especially <laughs> most little kids, I think, are afraid of bees. So again, awesome on your parents for having you do a little bit of research and having you really look into the fact that you actually do want bees around and mm-hmm. that they're actually very important to our society uh, as a whole. So super, super cool. So you go to the business fair or whatever and set up the booth. And apparently it goes pretty well because you don't just stop there, right? You wanted to keep the business going after that one day. Is that right? Yeah, so it goes pretty well. Actually, it goes okay. I decided to do it again because there's two fairs. There's Lemonade Day and Business Fair. They're both in the same year and it happens every year. So it went okay. I decided to do it again. And... I just, for a couple of years, it was just kind of something that I would do a couple times a year, maybe three or four times a year. And I would meet people, exchange bee facts at my stand. When I was eight, and since I was getting so many questions about the bees, I actually started teaching little workshops in front of like restaurants that invited me there or sometimes Whole Foods for when the parents were shopping. I'd teach the kids about pollination. And so kids would be able to plant their own bee-friendly flower and then learn about bee facts from my trifle. But it was then 
probably around then, yeah, when I was doing a stand, an owner of a local pizza shop said, hey, if you can find a way to bottle your product, I would be willing, I'd love to carry it in my store. And so I started thinking about like bottle a product or those, that's the kind of stuff that you see on the shelves of the grocery stores and restaurants. How do you bottle a product? And I asked a ton of questions to my parents. I asked like store managers when we went shopping and then my parents went and then asked people who they knew had like local beverage companies or contacted cold brews and things like that just to get as much information as we could about how do you bottle a product and what's the process. That's super cool. How old were you then at this point? This was when I was eight. Eight years old. Okay. So selling lemonade for three years and then somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, I love this. It's awesome. I would love to be able to carry this in my store and sell it to my customers, Mm -hmm. but I need you to bottle it first. So then that's kind of the path that you decided to go down at that point, right? Yes. And I was always, I was always pretty annoyed that my product would sell out before the fairs were over, no matter how many lemons (laughs) I squeeze, like how late I saved past my bedtime, we'd sell out. And so I was like thinking, how can I figure out how to save these? How can I, I, you can't make the product there at the fair. And I'm like, it's kind of like a short lived thing. I like doing it for this one day, but I can't continue doing it. And so that's why I was just so excited when someone said bottle it you may be able to save the bees all year round. So that's awesome again. So at what point, I know that you went on Shark Tank in 2015, which means you were probably around 10 years old. So right after you bottled it, then you decided, hey, we should probably like see if we can take this somewhere else and get a little bit of money behind it. So we started in a, yeah, we started in a commercial kitchen that was probably about five minutes away from our house. It was really close, a local Austin commercial kitchen and started in that one pizza shop in East Austin, then a couple more pizza shops. And then for Whole Foods, the first Whole Foods in Austin, or the first Whole Foods ever, because it started in Austin, Hmm. they contacted us and said, since we found out you were bottling your product, would you be willing to carry it for Buzz Week or National Honey Bee Week? And so that's not really how products normally get into Whole Foods. Usually it's, you have to go through their buyer, you have to go through reviews, but they actually wanted to just bring it on for a week. And it did really well. Then multiple Whole Foods and restaurants in Austin and then a couple in other cities. So by the time we went on Shark Tank, because you need to have, you know, history of sales. So by the time we went on Shark Tank, you were already in almost 30 stores and they were all very local, small stores. Okay. So you're almost 30 stores. So do you remember when you guys decided that you wanted to go on Shark Tank? Was that you or your parents or a little bit of both? It was initially me and then it became a little bit of both. So it was African-American Chamber of Commerce in Austin. And the head of it named Miss Natalie Cofield contacted us and asked, like, Shark Tank is holding auditions at our studio. Would you be willing to maybe audition? Initially, my parents said no. The sharks can be pretty brutal. And since I had been just such a big fan of the show, I was like really excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the last day that they were holding auditions. Miss Natalie called us back, called my parents back. And they said, okay, we'll do like the first round of auditions. And so we were kind of unprepared for it, but we got through that round. They called us back to do another round. And I don't know exactly how long the lead up was until we got to the actual show, but I know it was months of pitch practicing and just making sure that I had it right, presenting in front of friends and neighbors. And then, yeah, we went on the show and landed a deal with Mr. Damon. So tell me about that experience. How was that for you? Very nerve wracking. (laughs) (laughs) I I always called it like nerve sighting because I was nervous 
even though I had presented and done little presentations at Whole Foods and things like that. So I had some experience and I really enjoyed talking to people, but I knew like who these people were yeah. and it was nerve wracking, but I was really excited because like I'd just been practicing for a long time and it could be a really big opportunity for my business. So there's a really big lesson right there, Michaela, is I always tell people that the only way to get over a lot of nerves is through over preparation, which it sounds like that's exactly what you did, right? You knew that you were going to be really nervous for it. You knew that it was in front of people that you really, you know, admired and respected and loved and you watched their show all the time. And so you knew it was probably going to be a little bit more nerve wracking than it would be at, you know, that the local chamber or wherever you were making the presentations before. But instead of backing down from the challenge or winging it and hoping things were going really well, you decided to work on your pitch for months and months leading up to this, which eventually, you know, served you well that day. Do you remember how long you were there that day filming for the episode? It wasn't just a day. It was a couple days. And it was, I don't remember the day that we went on. I do remember that there were other entrepreneurs who were also pitching their product. And so we got to interact with each other before the show. Um, But after the show, they split us up because they didn't want us like discussing. They split us up and never could tell us because they didn't want us discussing results. So it's a very discreet, it's a very like discreet process. And also you don't know whether your show, an episode is going to air on TV. Like some shows, some pitches don't actually air. And then if yours does air, they won't notify you until three weeks. So you have three weeks to rush and get inventory and like upgrade your website and things like that. So even after appearing on Shark Tank and getting the deal, we couldn't tell anyone about it. And then it's also like, are we going to get national TV coverage or is it going to be just a closed door deal? Gotcha. Gotcha. So when you went on, you got the deal from Damon, right? Yes. And that was for $60,000? Yes. How excited were you when you were able to close the deal? I was excited. Initially, we asked for 10%, I believe. That was our initial ask. So it was 60,000 for 25. But I was still really excited because, I mean, Damon John was my favorite shark. And also, even after the shark tank, he came, he's flown to Austin. We've flown to New York, met each other there, multiple different conferences. So... I kind of knew that he'd be a great mentor and he has been a great mentor along the way. Yeah, that's so cool. So this is, Michaela, this is build your network. We talk a lot about relationships. We talk a lot about networking and connections and uh, and mentorship and how important all of those things are in and what role they play in your success. So can you tell me a little bit about how your relationship with Damon has helped make your business a little bit more successful? I think that when you like have such a power player on the side of your company, like other people kind of turn their heads. So Mm -hmm. when you have a really strong group of partners or even if like they're great investors or just someone that has a lot of respect in their industry, in the field that they're in, you're going to get a respect from other people too. So just automatically, right? Yes. Not necessarily respect, but they are going to pay attention. They're going to wonder like what made this person invest ask a lot of questions and be curious. So I don't know if this is a term, if it is, I don't know what it's called, but guilty by association, but not guilt. It's kind of like, um, yeah, it's just you you are who you hang out with, right? Like you're associated with the people that you hang out with, which yeah. in this case is a very, very good thing for you, right? Yes. So always choose your partners, always choose whoever you're collaborating with or marketing with very wisely. Okay. So you get a deal on Shark Tank, which is like, you know, the pinnacle really, especially if you're a fan of the show, all you want to do, all you think about is going on the show and presenting your business to the sharks and walking away with the deal. And so you finally got to that point. Was there a 
large spike in sales after your yes. episode ended up airing? Yes. So episode okay. ended up airing in, uh, I think it was like, I don't even remember. It was season six, okay. but we did, we like overproduced product. We had to upgrade the website because we knew that our current website was built not great. And yeah. so we, it would probably crash. Mm-hmm. And so even with the upgraded website, we got a huge spike in website traffic, social media traffic and our website almost did crash. Wow. But what happened was we hired another team to go out and manage anything that was coming in. So we wouldn't have to do it ourselves. We were mm. in Austin having a watch party with all of the people who had supported me along the way. So we had we got to enjoy the episode and we had a team managing whatever orders came in in comments and questions. Awesome. Awesome. So from that point forward, how much easier was it to continue getting into stores like Whole Foods and other stores that we mentioned in the intro to this episode? It was easier, but it wasn't easy. And it's, <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to be easy. Sure. So it wasn't initially easy. Um, even after the show aired, it took people who were, because it's national coverage and our product is it wasn't national yet. And so it took people saying, hey, why is it, I want this product, where is it? They would always come to us and say, I need this product, why aren't you here? And then we're like, no, go to your local store and ask for the product from them. We're also trying to get it there, but we can't unless they know that there's demand. So it took a little bit to kind of redirect that want for the product. Yeah, exactly. The traffic for the stores that could carry it. But once people started requesting it, then it became easier. Then they started reaching out. And then also when we reach out, they say, oh, I've heard of that. Someone came and asked about that the other day. So it did become easier. When I got injured, I believe it was August 2015. And this was, you know, going into sophomore year of high school and school started in September, right? And I think this is a very important part of the story where going into sophomore year of high school, I'm going to school now having to wear this neck brace, right? And I was always a confident, very self-aware kid growing up. But now I'm in school. I have to wear this neck brace. It's like impossible to look down at my desk when I'm walking down the hallway. If someone wants my attention, I have to do a full 360 to say hello. Like there was just so many uncomfortable situations that I had to deal with, which taught me a lot about who I am and dealing with things that I can't control because I had to wear that neck brace. I had to sleep in it. I had to eat in it. I had to do everything. But it was during that time. And I think this is a very key moment. And I think it really relates to right now during this whole quarantine where I now had time that I didn't have before to do other things. Because prior to that, I was going to school or, you know, in the summer, waking up, going to football practice, doing two a days, having, you know, lunch, dinner with the family and having my brothers around me and then going to sleep and doing it again. And same thing, when school started, you wake up, you go to school, you go to football practice, you come home to your homework and you go to sleep. So like my time was completely filled up. And looking back, since I was in this neck brace and had this injury, I had a free schedule where I didn't know what to do with my time. So that led me to social media and you know watching YouTube videos. And as a kid that was on social media for no business purposes, but just to scroll and be entertained, I started doing that more. And I remember one of the key, I would say mentors in my life that I didn't know at the time was someone that I'm sure you know, Ty Lopez, right? And a very controversial name. But back then, that was when he was doing the most advertising and being the most out there, period. Now he's, you know, buying Pier 1 and making some big moves. But Ty Lopez, he was running all these ads about health, wealth, love, and happiness. And 
one of the things that stuck out to me was just happiness because I was pissed off. I was upset. I was angry and just resentful toward my parents, to my brothers. And I was, like I said, I was playing the victim. And I ended up clicking on his ad and he's promoting this, I guess you could call it a course called the 67 steps, which is 67 days to create a new habit, talking about health, wealth, love, and happiness and experiences that he learned from his mentors. And me just being someone that's open-minded. And I think that's a very key quality in anyone that gets ahead in life is having that open mind to say yes to things that you may not know the outcome of. So I said, yes, my buddy and I at the time, we like split the cost 30 bucks each and we, long story short, we started investing into ourselves and learning all these different fundamentals and foundations of success. And he's recommending books. And I'm following Ty as like the first person that I'm sure your audience would relate to that really changes your perspective. And then once you follow Ty, I hear about Gary Vaynerchuk and Andy Brasella and Grant Cardone and all these you know, like high level entrepreneurs in the space that are building just such big personal brands. And one of the people early on that really caught my attention, which I know we have mutual friends with is Caleb Maddox, right? He was 14 at the time I was 15. He was writing books, speaking on stage, just crushing life. And I instantly just became obsessed with this culture of entrepreneurs and social media and self-education. But it was definitely a, you know, a, a three month process of being depressed and not knowing what I wanted to do with my time to now becoming obsessed with taking notes and reading books and watching YouTube videos and just learning these new skill sets. But at the time, I didn't I didn't know where to put my energy until I started learning Facebook advertising and viral video marketing. And since that moment, I dedicated my time to also building a personal brand, which has been very important to me throughout these last three, four years, which is just the digital representation of yourself online. And it was going in towards the beginning of 2016, which was the year I would say for me of 2016, which was just full personal development, growth, and rewiring my brain to think a completely different way where I'm now questioning college. I'm now questioning what school's teaching me. I'm questioning what my parents are teaching me. And it was just this epiphany of, okay, what do I want my life to be? And from that moment, I then started making these decisions about what I wanted my future to look like. And it was you know, one thing led to the next, which we'll get into. But it was during that process where my mind just got rewired. And it's something you can't undo, you know? When you said you started with your personal brand stuff, was this just like post an inspirational quote on Instagram? Like what exactly were you doing? And how long did you do that thing until people really started realizing like, oh, there's something, something cool about this kid? Yeah. So... It was first a lot of Snapchat and Instagram. Back then, I was doing a lot of Snapchat. And I I still now recently have navigated to Snapchat when it comes to just posting daily. And But back then, it was Snapchat. I was going on these different forums and adding... There was like this app called Ghost Codes where you could add a bunch of people in different niches and add them on Snapchat. And they would add you back. And I built up this little following of just here's what it was, book reviews, because I was reading a lot of books. I understood where I wasn't successful. I haven't started a company. I was just genuinely documenting my journey because this was what Carrie Vaynerchuk was talking about, right? Documenting your journey, creating content. And I was never trying to be someone that I wasn't. I was just trying to document the current reality of me. I was wearing my neck brace. I was, you know, talking about my experience as someone that's in high school and the books I'm reading and regurgitating the information in my own way of these high level people to, uh, you know, a hundred people on Snapchat. And I just became obsessed with that. And I just... Like I said earlier, I was so open-minded to what these people were talking about. Someone like Gary Vaynerchuk, where I picked up the book Crush It and then Crushing It. And I became obsessed with just the process of building a personal brand. But like I said, from the start, it was book reviews. It was turning that 100 
small group of people on Snapchat to a thousand and getting into affiliate marketing and figuring out ways to monetize where I didn't have to work at the local pizza shop in my hometown and then learning Facebook ads where I can sell this as a service to small businesses in my local community to my dentist or my doctor or whatever it was. It was definitely a progression from, hey, content, content, content to how can I monetize this? But always, which is still to my roots today, which is building my personal brand because that's something you have forever. You can attach it to any new business venture that you have. And it's definitely, it's, uh, it's opened up a lot of doors, which we'll get into. But personal branding was the thing that I really attached to and I'm super grateful for it from day one. Yeah, huge, huge lessons in here, man. First off, the thing that you said about you didn't know much about the space, like you weren't trying to be somebody that you're not. You were just regurgitating information that you heard from people. This is why I think content creation is so cool because you don't have to be the expert. That's another limiting belief people have in their mind about starting with a podcast or getting started on Instagram or Facebook or wherever your platform of choice is, right? Is that they feel like they have to be the expert. And it's good that they're... By the way, it's good that you're thinking this because some people don't have that thing inside of them that says, I shouldn't talk about something that I'm not an expert in. And that's when you have all the fake until you make it, the rented Lambos and all those types of people, which are not people that I resonate with at all. And it sounds like you don't either. So like, there's a ton of those people out there, right? The fake it till you make it ones that are like, yeah, you know, I'm not an expert, but I'm going to tell you I'm an expert and I'm going to you know, have this Lambo behind me to make me look like an expert so I can take your money and become an expert in taking your money. Like that's just called being a con man, right? Um, so you, I started the same way. I wasn't starting as the expert. You weren't starting as the expert. You're just like, hey, look, I'm just like a 16 year old kid with a neck brace that's learning some really awesome things and I want to share them with people. So like, yeah. let me start doing that. You know what I mean? And like book reviews on Snapchat, so simple. So simple, but something that was digestible, consumable for other people to learn. And then something that's allowed you to start slowly building that audience and getting people to actually listen to what you had to say. So I love hearing those stories because it proves that you don't have, you don't have to wear that expert hat when you first get started. Like There's still ways to provide really quality content without being the expert that's being featured in that content, which for me was interviewing. That's why I went like three episodes a week, three interviews every single week. I didn't do any solo stuff. I didn't ever talk myself. I asked a ton of questions. And I never really like gave too much commentary because I was just getting started and I have much to say. But I was listening like crazy and learning like crazy and growing like crazy, which sounds like you were doing the exact same thing. So I wanted to, to touch on that for a second. So now let's let's take it into like phase two. So that kind of, to me, sounds like phase one, let's get like dip your toe in, get started. Yeah. But then you start getting some recognition. You start getting some people with money that are like, hey, maybe we could work together. So talk to me about the, the next, you know, year or two after that. Yes, 2016, like, you know, that whole year leading towards the end of the year was, like I said, phase one, building that foundation, understanding how Instagram works and understanding what a personal brand is, where towards the tail end of 2016, you know, I was investing in some ads and doing some shout out for shout outs and trying to like build my audience any way I could, where towards the end of 2016, that's when I really started just, I would say networking on social media, you know, asking, reaching out to people, how can I be of value and just utilizing the strategies that I'm learning from, I would say someone like Gary Vaynerchuk, which is give, 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 and then ask when it makes sense. And I still live that truth to this day. But that's when I came across Caleb Maddox, who is still a great friend of mine. He lives out here in Arizona now. And we started talking and I'm like, dude, I'm 15, you're 14. How have you written seven books? You're speaking on stage with Tony Robbins and Gary Vaynerchuk and you've made hundreds and thousands of dollars. Like, what are you doing and how did you do that? And he's talking about how he's a part of all these different speaker circuits and how his, you know, his dad had him reading books since the age of 10, 11, where... 
I saw him speaking at these events and I'm like, okay, how can I get out of my comfort zone, which is this small bubble in Richmond, Virginia, where as I'm going through high school and years turn into, you know, sophomore year to junior year, all my friends are getting into drugs and partying and my older brothers aren't the best influences in my life. But on the flip side, I'm reading all this information about how to stay away from people and you are the average of five people you associate with. So I really went into just to build myself. I, I wouldn't say I cut everyone off, but I really took a step back from doing doing things that weren't moving me forward. And that's what I became just obsessed with is this improvement and self growth and completing that book or, you know, reaching out to someone and getting that response. But to move into phase two, it was the end of 2016. And this is what I truly believe is can separate anyone where if someone throws an opportunity at you, you can either accept it or say no, because you're uncomfortable. And Caleb Maddox, he said, Hey man, I'm speaking at an event in January, 2017 in San Diego, California. They have this young entrepreneur panel. I'd love for you to come out and speak. And this, you know, he said that so just normal. And I've never been to California. I've never been on an airplane. I'm like, this sounds insane. And he's someone that I trusted. He, you know, he was verified on Instagram. He's putting out all this content. He's connected with different people. I'm like, yeah, this is someone I can trust. So we talk and he's like, yeah, man, like they're not going to pay for your flight. They'll comp your hotel. But I, I pitched it to the guy. Shout out to Jason. He's someone that I still speak at his event every year out in San Diego called Epic Mastermind. And he's like, yeah, man, come out. So at the time, you know, I started making some money affiliate marketing that year, like selling these email softwares and just, you know, trying to figure out how I can make 20 bucks, 50 bucks doing affiliate marketing. And, you know, I saved up a couple thousand dollars and this was the sell to my parents. I was like, mom, dad, I got invited to speak at this event in San Diego. I want to go. Will you guys come with me? Or like, can we make this happen? And both my parents, they same thing. They've never been to California. They haven't flown in a plane since their anniversary 30 years ago. So they like we did not travel at all growing up. And the thought of going to California was like traveling to China to them, right? So I'm over here and the instant reaction is just no scam. Like, no, it's fake, right? Like the instant just that's not a re a real thing you could do. And I sort of said this to my dad. I was like, okay, well, what if I pay for your flight? And he's like, well, you know, that could be cool. Sure. So I didn't even tell him I was booking it. I'd go upstairs in my room, find the cheapest flights, book two flights. It was like 1500 bucks or 1300 bucks. And this was like October, November when this happened. And then we fly out to San Diego, January, 2017. First time ever going to California. That's where I met some key people in my life. Caleb Maddox, Gerard Adams, Dan Fleshman, and all these people that back then, I had no idea who these people were really. It was just people that I saw on social media. But now looking back, they've been very key relationships in my life that have opened up so many doors. And that was a huge moment for me. And I think, you know, just looking back, it's a, it's, it's a small moment in time that was very important because I was at this event and I was meeting all these people and I had to introduce myself and I was following different people on social media and I spoke on stage. Like, excuse me, there's so many barriers that I was just breaking through in my mind where I left that event. And it was just two days event, two nights, very quick. I had to go back to school on Monday. I get back that one night and this is what I decided to do. And you know, I had no following really at the time, a couple thousand followers here and there. I decided to reach out to Ty Lopez. And I was like, hey, Ty, eight months ago, I was in a neck brace, super depressed, not sure what I want to do with my life. I ended up getting involved with one of your programs you know, I've made some money here with affiliate marketing and starting a social media agency. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for educating me into these new topics. And long story short, I sent him a message, which is very important, just to say thank you. And I believe that's something people don't do enough because I was not asking for anything, but just to show him how much I appreciate what he's done for me without even, you know, knowing. And I wasn't expecting a response. <laughs> long story short, 
He hits me back probably 10 minutes later and I'm back home the night I got back from San Diego and I told him I spoke at this event and I met Dan Fleshman and these people that, you know, I was name dropping people that he knew based on what I could see. And he gets back to me and is like, how old are you? Like, how long were you in my program? How's it changed your life? He just starts like asking me questions and I'm like, oh my God, Ty Lopez hit me back in the DMs. I'm responding to him. He says, text me. You should come out to LA and shoot a video with me. And I'm like, what? Is, is this the real Ty Lopez account? Fast forward, I get a text the next morning from Ty Lopez's team. And two weeks later, I'm now flying out to LA, all expenses paid. He flies out my mom and I, because I'm like, hey, Ty, I'm 16. I got to come out there with my mom if you're serious about this, because whatever. And he's like, totally, boom. First time going to LA. That's where I meet Ty. He brings me to his house. He's giving me shout outs on social media. We do this interview where he's like, you know, like using me as a case study, being transparent. But my mom went out to LA and she got to see like this new journey that I'm on. And it became real for my parents. Because I always tell people, the hardest sale I've ever had to make is my parents on letting me travel and letting me travel alone and going to different events. And it was that momentum started really carrying forward in 2017 where I met, you know, a couple of people at Ty's house where a month later they're like, Hey, we have this event. You should come out here. So just to, you know, speed the process up the entire year of 2017, I was dedicated where every month or every other month to go to California, to go to an event, whether that's something that Dan was having or someone else had a little small event pop up on a Saturday. I didn't care how big or small it was. I was just dedicated and became obsessed with traveling to meet new people, to getting out of my comfort zone, where during junior year, I missed like 60 days of school. And I just told my parents, I was like, hey, I'm going all in on this. There's no other option. I'm not sure if I'm going to college. And there was a lot of hard conversations there. But I think the most important thing that really speaks for you know where I am today is there was never a plan B. There was never a, uh, uh, I might go to that event. It was you hear about something, it sounds right, I'm open-minded, I'm doing it. And I invested a lot of time, money, and effort into traveling, meeting people, but not just online. And I always talk about you know the value of networking online, but actually getting out there and shaking hands and seeing people face-to-face and showing up at the six events and seeing the same people, it really does enhance your network. And I'm sure you can speak to that through know, being a part of the 100 Million Mastermind experience and all those type of things. It completely changed my perspective where towards the end of 2017, Dan always told me, he's like, you can go to events, and you can host events. But if you do both, your network will grow faster than you can ever imagine. So I'm like thinking to myself, how can I host an event? And it was during that time where um, it was just super key where I met my roommate now and business partners, Kieran and Jeff that were actually from Virginia. Jeff was this YouTuber called JR Garage. He's 21 years old now, but he had this video go viral. It was driving my Lamborghini to high school at 17. And he's been a numismatist since he was 11, selling rare coins and collectibles. And I followed him on YouTube for years. He had over a million subscribers. And he was like, you know, an hour north of me back home where we became really good friends and started traveling together. So it wasn't that I was just traveling alone. I had this community and this core group of friends that I was traveling with and experiencing these events with where we decided and to ask ourselves like, hey, how can we host an event and bring people together in our network with a couple of influencers that we've met and business owners and you know people on social media. So towards the end of 2017, we decided to get an Airbnb in Los Angeles and bring together people just to create a networking event. And we had over like 150 people show up. The founder of MySpace, Dan Fleshman came by and some of our YouTube friends like Man, who has 10 million subscribers now. And just, we created this culture and we tried to repeat that because yes, we were like losing money. We were charging like 25, 50 bucks a ticket just to cover expenses. And we were truly leveraging 
the audiences we had and just to, to not make money directly, but to bring culture and bring key relationships into our life. But that definitely just speaking in phases now, 2017 was the year of just extreme growth regarding getting out there and going to Los Angeles. And, you know, I probably went out to LA eight times that year. And like I said, missed weeks of school at times. And that was the year of full commitment that completely changed my perspective on what I'm capable of, what I need to do, how I can continue to meet people and travel. And it really led me towards the end of 2017, which after experiencing all that, and, you know, I was like, hey, I want to write a book and start a podcast. And that's what I did towards the second half of 2017. And I, I officially launched my podcast December 2017. And it's definitely uh, spiraled into something much bigger. Again, so many lessons here. Another one that I want to hammer in on is just showing up. It's one of the most simple things that you can do that will move the needle for you than any other simple thing that you can do. Have you seen Yes Man with Jim Carrey? Yeah. So yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and the, the movie is obviously a total comedy and it's really silly, the whole premise yeah. of saying yes to everything. But there is a magic in saying yes to everything when you're, especially when you're first getting started, like what you were saying, it's that level of commitment is what happens. There's an energy shift that changes in your conscious and subconscious mind to like go after this new thing full fledged. And it's the same exact thing that I did when I started, bro. Like I just said yes to everything. You know, John Lee Dumas, one of my mentors, I remember talking with him and he was like, oh yeah, I asked him what podcasting events I should be at. He was like, oh yeah, you should go to this one. You should go to this one. He's like, oh, and there's one in Australia that I'm speaking at this year, but you know, that's all the way to Australia. I don't expect you to go to that one. I was like, I'm down. I'm down. I booked tickets to Australia. I went out and hung out with him. That's where I met like Jordan Harbinger and Michael Neal, a couple other like really bigger podcasters in the yeah. space and like build relationships with them. It was just the fact that I was, I didn't know what I was saying yes to half the time, but I'm going to show up and I'm going to be there. You know what I mean? And like you said, when you start seeing people at the same events and like you start showing up all the time, and then, you know, I was in, I was in Vegas one time. I think this was like 2018 when I was first getting started. And um, I had a few conversations with Bradley at the time and we did an interview swap back then. And he had me on his show. I was on, and he was on my show. And then I saw him at like five events, like back to back to back to back. And I was backstage at Thrive and yeah. I was back there and he was like, Travis, I see you at every event. He's like, what are you, what are you doing? It literally was enough to make him engage with me and yeah. become even more engaged in a friendship that we still have now to this day was just the fact that my face was everywhere. Like you couldn't go to an industry event without seeing me there. You know what I mean? And, and like, yep. that, like what we're talking about, that level of commitment to just do those things, regardless of how uncomfortable it feels, regardless of like of how much you're spending on those things, even sometimes like as long as you're being smart about it, get there, show up, like be there. Showing up is half the battle, half the time, man. So that was obviously a huge, a huge takeaway for what you did. Because like this story can go any number of ways, right? Like that initial meeting that you had with Ty Lopez, right? Like this story could have like gone a variety of different ways. But because you chose to go about it the way that you did, it's now ending up with you in the position that you're in, which is 20 years old, a huge social media following, amazing relationships with some of the best business mentors in the world. You know what I mean? And, and you're 20. You got to show up. You got to be willing to show up. You got to raise that commitment level through the roof and just be there until it works, not if it works. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. 
Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.